Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Do you remember as a kid how big certain places used to be? I mean, you'd walk into a place and it would seem epic, it would seem huge. But then you'd go into that place years later as an adult, and it just wasn't as big as it used to be. You'd feel slightly underwhelmed, and it wasn't what you remembered. Well, a couple years ago, Megan and I took my niece, Adriana, to Chuck E. Cheese. Now, when I was a kid and would go to Chuck E. Cheese, this place was amazing. You walked in the door, you saw all these colors, you heard these sounds, there were people everywhere. I mean, it had every single fun game you could imagine. You could print tickets out and use those tickets to go get stuff and toys and anything you wanted. And then you would get to eat pizza and you'd sit at these little tables and you'd watch the show. And Chuck E. Cheese would come to life, and he was this huge, amazing, fun, animated person. It was like the place to be when you were a kid. But this wasn't my experience when I took my niece there. Now, she still had that experience, but Megan and I, when we walked into Chuck E. Cheese with our niece as adults, we looked at each other and we said, is this the same Chuck E. Cheese that we used to go to as a kid? I mean, it just seemed completely different. It seemed really small. It was packed with people. Pretty sure there's no social distancing happening in a Chuck E. Cheese. Let me tell you that right now. But the place kind of smelled. It was loud and noisy. There were kids running everywhere. And the characters, they didn't seem that big anymore. They were kind of small. And the pizza wasn't that great. So what happened? What happened to Chuck E. Cheese? Well, the truth is nothing happened to Chuck E. Cheese. What happened was what happened to Megan and I. We got older, we got bigger, and Chuck E. Cheese got smaller. You see, our perspective changed. And unfortunately, that happens a lot of times with Christians as they get older in the relationship with God sometimes. As we age, we become thinking, we think more logically. We think with our, our logical part of our brain more, and we end up losing a little bit of that part of the brain that likes to dream and be whimsical. And as more life problems happen and our circumstances in life change and we go through painful, hard things, all of a sudden, our perspective of God begins to shrink, and our circumstances begin to grow. And today I want to remind you of one simple truth, just one truth today, and it's this. Our God is big. Our God is big. We're in a series called Faithful, and we're talking about the faithfulness of God. And part of believing that God is faithful is realizing how big He really is. So what I want to do today is I want to take a look at the book of 2 Kings, a portion of scripture found there. There's a powerful story 
about God and Elisha, his servant, Elisha the prophet. And Pastor Tony mentioned uh, a few of these verses in a sermon he preached about three or four weeks ago. And when he mentioned these verses, it got me to dig into this story. And what I want to do is I want to do two weeks on the same passage of Scripture and look at it a couple of different ways. So we're going to start this morning reading God's Word in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. And here's what the Word of God says. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. Very descriptive there. The man of God, who was Elijah, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? I want to stop there for just a minute. What's happening in this story is Elisha is hearing from God, and he is relaying to the king of Israel, who is God's chosen people, he's relaying a message to them of what the Armenian, Armenian plans were to capture and to pillage and to overrun and overtake the Israelites. And this was frustrating the king of Aram so much that he thought there was a traitor in their midst. And so in verse 12, the story continues. It says, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers. But Elisha the prophet who was in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. That puts a whole new meaning to being a fly on the wall. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then the king sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. A lot of firepower for just one guy. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, this is Elisha's servant, got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Such a powerful statement. Verse 17, and Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What a powerful story. So I want to I look at this a little deeper this morning, and what we see is this. We see that we have four main characters in the story. We have the enemy. We have the king of Aram. The, the Armenians are at war with the Israelites, and they were trying to take their land, and God had to step in against the enemy. Now, we don't know much of why the Armenians are fighting with the Israelites. We don't know much about the king other than we think he, he was Ben-Hadad II, but all we know is, one, he wanted to take the Israelites out, and two, 
Once he found out Elisha was in the way of that plan, he sent a lot of firepower to go capture, to surround Elisha and to, to capture him and probably torture him. Then we have Elisha in the story. Now, Elisha is this amazing man of God. If you read the book of 2 Kings, if you read the, the stories of Elisha the prophet, you see that you have a man of God. He hears God's voice. He, perf he performs miraculous signs and wonders throughout the Bible. I mean, throughout the Old Testament, you see this over and over and over again. This is a powerful man of God. And so in this story, Elisha was getting words of knowledge about what the Armenian plan was, and he was giving them to the king of Israel. Another character we have in this story is we have Elisha's servant. Now, we don't know much about him other than he worked for Elisha. He stayed with him in his home, probably went with Elisha wherever Elisha went. So it's no doubt that this servant had seen God move in powerful ways through Elisha many, many, many times in his life. He had seen a powerful hand of God moving to and through Elisha so many times in his life. But we also know that this servant was afraid. He saw the enemy and he was scared. He didn't quite have maybe the faith or uh, the trust and how big God was that Elisha had. Then we have God in the story. Now, God plays a bigger role in the second half of this story, which we're going to look at next week a little more in depth. But what we know is that God obviously didn't want his people destroyed. He didn't want the Armenians to come and attack uh, the Israelites so he used Elisha to give, he gave him words of knowledge. He allowed, he allowed Elisha to understand what the plans of the enemy was. And then he was able to go ahead and give those plans to the king of Israel. So God used Elisha in a big way. But God also, on top of just doing that, he provided Elisha with a lot of spiritual warfare. The Bible says there were chariots of fire. There were um, armed people surrounding Elisha the entire time that Elisha was living. So God was doing some amazing things on the planet. So we have those four characters in the story. And if you look at this story, we have the perspective of Elisha's servant. And we have the perspective of Elisha. And they were two very different perspectives. Elisha's servant was afraid. He saw a big enemy. He saw a vast army. And that caused him to see with his physical eyes this army, this enemy that wanted to capture him and his master. And he did not like that. And that brought fear and panic into his life. And I can just see this servant getting up early in the morning, hearing some kind of noises or some kind of sounds, gets up and he realizes that his whole city, the whole town is full of the enemy coming for, for Elisha in the house that he's in. I mean, that would be pretty scary. I could just see him. I could just imagine him going and waking Elisha up, saying, Elisha, wake up. It's going down. 
The enemy's all around us. We're in big trouble here. Get up, do something. But I love Elisha. I love his perspective. He's not worried. In fact, he's not worried at all. He had a completely different perspective. Same circumstance, different perspective. He could see something with his spiritual eyes that his servant couldn't see. See, his servant was looking with physical eyes, but he was looking with spiritual eyes. And he was able to see that there was way more of God's angels and way more of God's army than there was the enemy. His perspective of God was big. It was huge. And he knew God was going to meet his needs. Don't look now, but we have an enemy trying to destroy our way of life. We have a virus that has not only affected or infected people and caused sickness and death, but it's also created a lot of fear and a lot of panic, way more than we've seen in our country, at least in my lifetime. And the enemy's not just using this pandemic to create fear He's now using biased news media outlets to create anger and division. I mean, when this, this thing first started, when we first started to hear of this pandemic or this virus being in America, we said things like this. We said things like, what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn to good. God's using this. He's going to use this to create a passion in his people. God's going to use this to bring people together. God's going to use this for revival. God's going to turn this around. And we all started to unify. It didn't really matter what side of the aisle politically you fell in. We started to unify as a country and said, let's go after this together. But as this has gone on and on, we are now letting this pandemic divide us. And it's gotten ugly out there. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But we have, what I'm trying to say is we have an enemy that's trying to destroy us. And some of us have forgotten who the enemy is. It's not the governor. It's not the president. It's not the far right. It's not the far left. No, the enemy is trying to use a virus to destroy us and divide us. And what does the word of God say? It says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it gets against rulers and principalities and other spiritual realms. But what are we doing? We are creating enemies. We are choosing, a lot of people are choosing to look only with their physical eyes at this situation instead of with their spiritual eyes. And now you have Christians raising up against non-Christians. You have people raising up and they're fighting each other. They're blaming each other. They're trying to point the finger and decide how this happened and how we got here. And you know what? None of that matters. It doesn't matter because we're here now. And instead of fighting each other, instead of chaos, God, that, God's not a God of chaos. He's a God of peace. He wants us to come together. He wants us to be agents of peace. But the enemy wants to divide. And remember Jesus himself said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Division is not what God wants right now. So I want to just 
challenge Christians and inspire Christians and, and just believe in a big perspective of God and to choose to see these things with our spiritual eyes instead of just looking at circumstances with our physical eyes. See, we have the ability to play the role of Elisha or the role of Elisha's servant in this time period. We can choose to see God as big and in control and our problems small. Or we can choose to see this circumstance, this disease, the economy as big and God as small. Which character can you relate most to in this story? Maybe some of you relate more to the servant right now. Maybe you've lost your job or you know someone who's gotten sick. Maybe you've experienced loss or pain. Maybe you're home and it's just driving you nuts. And, and, and maybe you're filled with uh, depressed emotions or feelings of anxiety or uh, nervousness or worry or fear. Maybe you're just fearful that the economy is going to collapse around us. And you've saved your whole life and now this is happening and, and you're just looking to point fingers at the enemy and try to figure out why we got to this point. Maybe you're scared or maybe you're sick or maybe life is just hard right now. Maybe being at home has caused you to realize that you need to work on your marriage a little bit. Maybe home is tense right now. Maybe your kids are tense. Maybe your parents are tense. Maybe you've chosen to look at this through the lens of Elisha's servant, where you've got your physical eyes on the outside circumstances, and you've bought in to one side or the other, and you've created new enemies, and you're angry and you're frustrated, and you're pointing the finger and placing blame, and you're scared, and you don't know what to do. If that's you, if you identify with Elisha's servant, I just want you to know it's okay. It's okay if at times you get angry or if you're anxious or if you're sad or if you're frustrated. Notice that Elisha didn't chastise his servant. He didn't berate him. He didn't call him faithless. He simply asked God to open his spiritual eyes instead of just opening his physical eyes. And that's what I'm going to believe God for for you this morning. If you are in the position of Elisha's servant, if you're looking at the world from that kind of perspective, I'm going to ask God to open your spiritual eyes so you can see how big he is. I want to ask you this question. Are your problems bigger than God or is God bigger than your problems? I love what Mark Batterson says in, in this book. He says, our biggest problem is our small view of God. That is the cause of all lesser evils. And a high view of God is the solution to all of our problems. Some of you need to hear that today. That God's bigger than this virus. God's bigger than an economy. God is bigger. He has no limits. He has no boundaries. He's huge and he's got this. I'm going to ask you to be like Elisha and open your spiritual eyes. Because I have seen some Christians rise in this time period. 
I have some Christians, look, I know some Christians who have looked at this from the same perspective of Elisha. They've chosen to lean not on their own understanding, but to trust God. They've chosen to be spirit-led instead of emotionally driven. They've chosen to turn to prayer and worship in God's presence and His Word. I can tell who they are because wherever they go and whenever they open their mouth, I'm filled with peace. I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with joy. We need more and more people to be like this, to have the perspective of Elisha, to remember how big God really is, that he's got this under control. I love the people who are so positive, who are staying positive right now, who are believing that God's got this who are not fearing an economic collapse. They're not worried about the governor or president bringing down the economy. They're not worried about politics. They're not afraid that the left or the right is going to end America as we know it because they know God is bigger than any human being on the planet. That's the perspective of Elisha through the storm, through it when he had an enemy, when he was in a battle. And that's got to be the perspective of us Christians. We're not perceiving this the way anyone else is. We have the Spirit of God. Our spiritual eyes need to be open. I love hearing stories about people who are seeing the positive side of what's happening in our world right now. They're hearing from God and they're, they're agents of peace in the storm. One of our intercessors and elders, her name's Linda Stalwood, I love. She sends me emails from time to time, and every time she sends me an email, it's just encouraging and peaceful. I know that she's spending time with the Lord. And the other day in her prayer time, she was feeling that this battle is not against flesh and blood, but it was a spiritual battle. And she drove to the church parking lot and just began to pray in the spirit, just began to pray that people would start to fight the real enemy here and not fight each other. What an amazing perspective. That is a Christian who is seeing with spiritual eyes, not just physical eyes. Another friend of mine who leads our altar prayer team here at the church, his name's Tim McAleer. The guy is sending me YouTube worship songs every couple of days. He is a guy who right now has chosen to turn to the Lord and to worship God and to hear from him and his perspective. And every time I receive a text from him, I feel peace. You see, we need Christians to see things with their spiritual eyes right now and not their physical eyes. And I'm going to appeal to Christians to put that into practice. I'm a person, I happen to love social media. I really do. I know people debate about that. I love social media. I love technology. I don't think social media is the problem. The problem is the people on social media. You see, social media is amoral. Social media is just an entity. You know, the internet, TV, these are not problems. It's people who get on them and they can create problems on there. 
But there's a flip side to that with social media is you can get peace and you can get truth and you can get hope out to as many people as possible. You know, Ravi Zacharias, a huge hero of the faith, he passed away a couple of days ago. And what I loved about Ravi Zacharias was I got to follow him on social media. And if technology wasn't available or social media wasn't available, I wouldn't have got to become a disciple of his. I wouldn't have gotten a chance to hear the words that he preached. This guy had an amazing way. He had what few people have. He had the ability to connect the intellectual mind with the heart. You know, you see a lot of people who, who are smart and connect intellectually, and you see a lot of people who are passionate and connect with the heart, but this guy had the ability to bring them both together. He could answer a question, the hardest questions, without offending a person, but bring the truth and never compromise the truth. It was a gift. Man, this was a guy who could see with spiritual eyes. I loved this man of God. And I know there's a party in heaven going on right now. And I know his legacy will continue to impact lives, especially because of platforms like social media. But social media also has a flip side. Because we live in an era of unlimited and unverified information. And it's never been more rampant than right now. If you're on the right or you're on the left and an article passes into your newsfeed that's biased, you don't take time to verify that article. You don't take time to make sure the facts in that article are true. No, we just see the headline and repost it on our social media accounts. And this becomes a problem because instead of just being maybe uninformed, now people are being misinformed. We're being misinformed by biased news media outlets. And I'm telling you, this is an issue. This is what the enemy is using to create fear, to create anger, to create division in our lives. So I'm going to ask you to be careful what you're posting out there on social media. See with your spiritual eyes and not just with your physical eyes. I was on social media last week and I saw a post that really bothered me. And it's no one who went to no one who goes to our church posted this. But there was a post pretty much that was dishonoring um, and disrespecting every pastor in America who has shut down their churches, saying that we're giving up our rights and saying actually compared it to Nazi Germany, which to me, this is not the same, not even close. And I saw this post, and it broke my heart. And it, it, it didn't break my heart because this person took a stand or because I'm a pastor, and she basically disrespected and dishonored all pastors in America. That's not why it broke my heart. I can handle that. That happens all the time. Why it broke my heart is because I saw division in the comments. I saw a person who should be seeing with their spiritual eyes 
only looking at the situation with their physical eyes. Because if you could see the spirit realm right now, if you spend time with God, if you're in tune with his spirit, you can see that a massive move of God is happening in our country right now and in our world. Massive. Isn't it just like God that we didn't need the church building doors open for the church to spread rampantly? Isn't that amazing? Like, think about it. Back in the early church, right after Jesus passed, rose from the dead, the early church, they met outdoors. They met in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. It wasn't a building. It, it wasn't a temple. It was just an area where they gathered. And the word of God spread more and more in that era. It spread like wildfire without having buildings. And we've been praying to God for revival. We've been praying for God to, to create a passion for him in all of us. We've been praying that people who don't know him would come to know him. And then this happens. And we think, okay, the building, the church building shut. Oh my gosh, God can't move. And just the opposite is happening. He's moving in even more powerful ways. I want to read you a few stats, just in case you don't know some of this. Bible sales are at an all-time high right now. We hear a lot on the news about toilet paper being sold out or the products that you can't get your hands on, like hand sanitizer right now. But do you know it's hard to get a Bible right now? That Bibles are flying off the shelves? That more and more and more people are turning to the Word of God than ever before in modern history? Isn't that amazing? Do you know that 25,000 churches jumped online streaming within two or three weeks of the building doors being shut? And those are the only ones that we can track. 25,000 said, we're going to get the message out any way we can. Do you know that church attendance has doubled and even tripled online in some cases? Do you know that they've estimated that hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, have come to know Christ online in the last two months? Do you know that? That there's a powerful move of God happening? I was talking to our youth pastor, Pastor Adam, about this, and he said, it's amazing because it's like God is using this pandemic to take technology back for his glory. Come on. God is using technology. Do you know it was prophesied a while back that there was going to be a move of God through the screens? So we've been praying for revival. We've been praying that God would move. And maybe it looks a little different than we thought it was going to look. But I want to encourage you that he's moving in powerful ways. I want to give you a few more stats here. Do you know, I want to talk about our food pantry just for a minute. In 2019, this was last year, we distributed 120,000 pounds of food. That's a lot of food. 120,000 pounds of food in 2019, and it was valued at $190,000. That's what we did in all of 2019. Do you know that since the pandemic started, our food pantry has remained open, and we've served 100,000 pounds of food? Valued at $181,000. Do 
We have served just as much food in the last two months as we did in all of 2019. We were serving about 135 families a week back in 2019. We're up to 315 families in the last two months. More than two and a half times. And people are getting prayer. They're getting their physical needs met. They're getting their spiritual needs met. There is a powerful move of God happening if you're able to see with your spiritual eyes. So I'm going to do something that I've never done in a sermon before. I'm going to beg you. I am going to beg the Christians who are watching this, who are listening to this, to not buy the lie that this is a physical enemy. Not point fingers at a person not get all mad and, and, and spread these maybe untrue social media posts. I'm going to beg you to see with your spiritual eyes in this. To, to spend so much time with God and in his word in this season. That wherever you go, peace follows you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we need to, as Christians, not stand up for what we believe or not love. Sometimes when you love and you're passionate, it means taking a stand. But this whole right versus left battle that's going on, this is not the heart of God. This is not the time to fight. He wants us to bring peace. He wants us to come together. He wants to use his church to show the world a loving picture of who he is. That's what he wants. And we can't do that if we're getting in social media fights online. So I know it's hard. I know you feel angry. I know you're frustrated. I know the way of life that we have had has been disrupted. But if you see with your spiritual eyes instead of just your physical ones, you will see that I think God is stirring us. I believe that God is going to use this. And for some of you, your life was not great before this happened. And he's going to give you new and amazing opportunity after this happens. He's using this to birth something new, to have us rethink ideas. He's using this in a powerful way. So we're going to close with a song called Surrounded, and I love this song, and it's perfect for this message, it's perfect for this day, and what I'm going to pray over you during this song is that you would take your physical eyes off of the enemy, that you would stop creating new enemies and realize that with your spiritual eyes open, God is big, he's faithful, Pastor Tony said an amazing, he had this amazing quote from last week. He said, faithful isn't what God does. Faithful is who God is. Our God's faithful and he's big. So I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. I just pray right now, God, that even though we're tempted to see with our physical eyes, even though we're tempted to be angry and frustrated, even though we're tempted to create new enemies and point fingers, that you would open our spiritual eyes to what you are doing, that you would speak to us and through us, that you would lead us and guide us by your spirit.
that you would open those spiritual eyes right now, Father, and give people peace and give them the ability to see how big you are and how small this pandemic really is. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.